A few queen deep dives ago, as I was kicking off the fourth album, A Night at the Opera, I decided I was going to start giving each album in its entirety to one of the boys, meaning that is the person who steals my attention the most on the album. They are the one that... More often than the others, I find myself listening to what they're playing, listening to what they're singing, etc. And this is going to be a very biased, a very, I think, emotionally led decision. I react so much emotionally to music that I hear, expressions, sound, song, all of those things. Music to me is, it's not just notes. It's not just words. In fact, I'm more often moved by melodies than I am from lyrics most of the time. But when I hear a great song, guys, it's goosebumps. It's a rush. My heart is smiling. I don't know how to explain that feeling. I've read studies that say that roughly 50% of the population can feel this rush of dopamine and the others can't at all, that it's just written in your DNA. And if that's true, first of all, I feel really, I genuinely feel bad for people who've never experienced this feeling, don't know what this is like, because it is like drugs. But for those of us who've experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. This is a rush. This is a healing thing. It's amazing. I love it. Queen does this to me a lot. So that's one of the reasons I'm so in love with them as a band. I want to celebrate that by, again, sort of dedicating an album to one of the boys and only one of the boys as we go through these deep dives. And I thought it would be fun to start with A Night at the Opera. I just thought about it. I thought this will be another cool facet to these ideas and discussions I'm having about Queen and all of the boys. And this even more, I think, amplifies the fact that the four of them were so important to the makeup in this band. And if it wasn't for the four of them, they never would have been what they were. And I know a lot of people still think that this is Freddie Mercury's band, but he was only part of that puzzle. I I think the fact that every single one of them did something either in collaborations or solo efforts on their own, aside from anything else they were doing with Queen... The fact that they never succeeded to any extent that they did together as a foursome speaks huge volumes. Even Freddie, who did a solo album in the mid-80s, did not experience the same success that I think people expected he might have. So the fact that you had these four guys and they come together and it's just this magical thing, I want to celebrate that more by going through the albums and really listening to them, picking them apart, thinking, okay, as a whole, which one of the guys am I most impressed with here? And I started with Brian May for A Night at the Opera, which I realize is very controversial. I chose Brian because there are many, 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 many moments on opera that I just, I can't believe it comes out of his guitar. And we get lead vocals from him multiple times, which is a nice refreshing change of pace. And I just feel like Brian brought it in a way that captures my attention. This is all about who steals my attention. 
Because the guys are always going to do amazing things. The guys collectively, individually are always going to do these things that blow my mind. And I simply can't believe they did it. And I, I want more. And I'm wowed. And I have to go back and listen to that, that part again. You know, there's always little elements in songs like that. But I'm looking at each album. Because I think collectively, these albums make a statement that's very unique from one album to the next. And I want to talk about the guy who impressed me the most. And I just thought about doing this as I kicked off A Night at the Opera. So I want to go back and recap and talk about each of those albums a little bit and why I'm going to name one of the guys as the man who stole my attention. And again, totally biased. If you're offended, I understand, <laughs> but I will not change my opinion. And you're probably wondering why I chose Brian when we have the fabulous Bohemian Rhapsody on A Night at the Opera, which of course is Freddie's masterpiece and, you know, some would say his magnum opus. The thing about Freddie, yes, Bohemian Rhapsody was career changing, music world changing, all of that with what it did. But the truth is, in my mind, Freddie did so many fantastic compositions that were in a lot of ways, more impressive than Bohemian Rhapsody. I, I, I simply can't... <sighs> to say that Bohemian Rhapsody isn't better or one of Freddie's best compositions would be... <sighs> that wouldn't be right, of course. But what I'm trying to get at here is there's so much more to celebrate that isn't Bohemian Rhapsody. So I'm not trying to go against the grain by doing this. I'm simply, again, I'm thinking about the whole. So this is why I chose Brian for A Night at the Opera. I don't want to talk too much about it in detail because I haven't gone through all of the tracks on A Night at the Opera yet. But there are several in particular where Brian does these effects and painstakingly played portions of these songs that I just, I am so impressed that, that I had to pick Brian. But let's go back and talk about the earlier albums, which we've been through in their entirety. And let's just start with Queen's debut, which of course was released in 1973. It was simply titled Queen. And the cover is actually based on a photo that was taken of Freddie at a very early concert where he's holding up the mic stand in this great spotlight. I didn't realize that was based on an actual photo or was an actual photo. I thought it was just an illustration, but it turns out it's actually based on a real photo that was taken. I don't know if I mentioned that because I never did an official kickoff for the Queen album. I just dove right into Keep Yourself Alive after doing the big Queen deep dive kickoff in its entirety. But I chose, drumroll please, and it's very appropriate to say that because on the debut, I thought, you know what? It's Roger. I got to choose drummer Roger Taylor as the guy who steals my attention on Queen's debut. And this is why. Despite the production quality, which in comparison to pretty much any other Queen album is noticeably lacking, Roger's drumming and his singing, for that matter, steal my attention. That's saying something, that an album desperately needing more polished, cleaner sound still showcases Roger's drumming so consistently, so well. I'm impressed, beyond impressed with his riffs. I love that we get that little solo in Keep Yourself Alive. And Roger generally wasn't and still isn't a fan of drum solos. So that's a really nice moment to have. 
And his technique of playing his kit is, it's like he's singing through it. It wows me. Brian recently called Roger's drumming something like buttery textures, and it's so true. Throughout the tracks, Roger's accents of the cymbals, the snares, the riffs, the rolls, it all acts like this whole other voice against the aggressive harmonies and vocals of the boys. If this album's sound and mixing was on par with later albums, I can't even imagine how powerful and monstrous Roger's drumming would sound here. Because Queen's earliest albums were so hard and heavy, I think Roger's enthusiasm for the big, bold drums that he always loved, especially in the early days, is in full focus and shines extremely bright on Queen's debut. And if I was going to pick my favorite highlight of Roger on Queen's debut, it's probably the entirety of Liar. (laughs) I love the opening riff. I've talked about it before. I'm constantly banging it out on in the car, wherever. I always think about that riff. It's so catchy. It's so great. And that whole song is driven by the drums. It is a drum number to me. And I I think a lot of the arrangements on the Queen debut is something about them. My ears just go straight to the drums. And it's not a conscious thing. I'm not sitting there thinking, okay, I'm going to listen to Roger today. I just subconsciously start focusing on the beats and I'm really, really impressed by them. And I don't know if it's just his extremely youthful energy coming out on the album. I mean, this was their first. I don't know what it is. There's just something about his energy on the debut that I, it's ferocious. It's totally off the charts. I love it. And I I have to give, I have to give the debut to Raj. So moving on, Queen 2, released in 1974, might be, it's at least one of my favorite Queen albums. It's their heaviest album, their hardest album, really showcases the poetic songwriting of both Brian and Freddie. Freddie's writing, of course, being much more fantastical. But here's the thing, for Queen 2, I think this is Freddie's album. So Brian May, ha, that's a pun. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Brian might own side one of this album as the primary songwriter, but Freddie completely owns side two. And not just because he wrote those songs. Even on the songs composed by Brian on side one, Freddie's lead vocals are passionate, ecstatic, aggressive, enigmatic, expressive, Everything. He sounds more confident than he did on their debut. And I think part of that is the mixing and the production. But his voice, in my opinion, might sound better than any other album. Yes, his control improves on later albums. I think there's a poise to his performance that we see later. But his chest voice here is so strong. His tone is so loud and clear, and I simply love that fantastical writing and the storytelling in his performances. That over-the-top approach the entire band took for this album works in Freddie's favor as he delivers this unbridled fury and tenderness through his voice. 
Freddie's writing in particular shines in that non-conventional song form, which is very prevalent on this album, especially the Fairy Feller's Masterstroke and the brilliant The March of the Black Queen. And his piano is that much improved from the band's debut as well. I think my favorite Freddie moment on Queen 2 is probably the lyric, um, then I'll defy the laws of nature and come out alive. Then I'll get you. It's from Seven Seas of Rye, one of my very favorite running songs. And I love Freddie's attitude in that line. I just love it. I think because, I think all of the guys took a little bit of a hit to their vocals as they got older, simply because of the touring, the use, you know, maybe alcohol, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of reasons our voices deteriorate over time, but I just, I think Freddie's voice here before the vocal nodules and everything, he sounds phenomenal. I love his voice here and I have to give Queen two to him. Sheer Heart Attack. This is the last album that we have yet to do this for. Um, Sheer Heart Attack. Of course, the band's first very diverse album in style. And I think, you know, I thought about this one a lot. I thought about Sheer Heart Attack a lot because honestly, there's a lot of reasons to give this to every single one of the guys simply because of the variety of the songs and the showcasing of their talents as they went through these different styles. But I'm giving it to John because you know what? This album's amazing variety. Because of it, if it wasn't already obvious just how skilled and talented John is as a bassist, it is here. It is here. John's precision and his versatility are incredibly impressive. And his ability to just immerse his playing into every genre amazes me. His bass lines blend perfectly to provide that necessary foundation, but they stand out at just the right moments, especially in the band's first big hit, Killer Queen. He speeds along in Stone Cold Crazy, slows it down, in, in the lap of the gods and generally showcases his dynamic playing in top form. Bouncy to weighty to booming, John clearly has an innate ability of knowing what to do and when on his bass. With the band transitioning away from the super heavy rock of Queen 2 to something more diverse and at times lighthearted, I think John's affinity for catchy, poppy, and soulful bass lines takes center stage naturally providing more time to shine and impress. And I thought too about the fact that John, you know, he was the last member to join the band and the youngest. And I think his songwriting confidence took a bit longer to develop. And given his first contribution to the band is on this album, Hello Misfire, generally speaking, his overall confidence seems to have grown here. So he's displaying even more impressive riffs and the arrangements are that much more complex. I think my favorite John highlight on Sheer Heart Attack, wow, Brighton Rock, Flick of the Wrist. I mean, there are several tracks where his lines are just on fire. The movement in his bass lines is furious and ridiculous and so good. So I think I give sheer heart attack to John. Yeah, he, he steals my attention away on that one. And I'm telling you, if you haven't done it already, go through these albums again and pick one of the guys and just listen to what they're doing. Pick an instrument and just listen to it. You will be floored how much is going on that you never even noticed. And that's the brilliance of it. You can pick them apart 
forever because they're so complex. But when you listen to everything as a whole, it's this perfect thing that you don't even think about the fact that there's so much going on to make it what it is. And in some cases, especially with albums like Sheer Heart Attack and now moving into A Night at the Opera, we're going to see that it's not as complex as it was on the earlier albums. The guys are getting really good at this point as we've been going through these Queen Deep Dives of taking the less is more approach and just refining the production to make things work. But there's still a lot going on. So even though it's not as busy instrumentally, there's a lot going on with the production side of things. A lot of panning, a lot of effects, a lot of this, that, up and down, around, all of those things. There's so much magic that happens in the mixing process, you guys. Mixing music is no joke. I have studied it for years now. I've never formally studied it. I've never gone to school for it, but I have read, watched, listened to so many things that talk about music mixing, and it is an art. There's something to it that you you have to know what you're doing to get things right. I'm kind of proud to say that my own last album was mixed entirely by me, but that doesn't mean it's as good as it could have been. In fact, if I could go back and do it again, I would, but I don't want to because mixing is a bear. And props to people that can do it really fast and do it really well. Those people deserve medals. Those are the people that should be getting the Grammys. <laughs> I know some people, I know some artists do a lot of their own production and their own mixing. I know Queen did a lot of that. And we'll talk about that as we get through more albums here. Queen was absolutely involved with the production of their work. Almost every single song. I mean, yes, they were more involved than others in some cases, but generally speaking, the guys had a heavy hand in what was going on with the mixing of their work. And there were times where somebody would get really mad and walk out because they were like, you know what, dude, this sounds terrible. <laughs> you can do it, but it sounds terrible. And they're totally honest about that friction, and I love it. But yes, mixing is an art, and Queen pretty much mastered it on many of these tracks and albums. And a lot of it is due to every single one of the guys sitting at the board and doing their thing with what they know so well. Anyway, those are my controversial picks for <laughs> who gets the albums thus far, who wowed me, who stole my attention the most. And I did not plan to give each of the guys an album. So I, I was not thinking I have to pick a different guy every time we go through these. It simply worked out that way. But we'll see as we get through more of these if there's someone who does stand out. I, I'm going to try to just forget who I chose thus far. And every time I listen to an album, I'm going to try to come to it with fresh ears, which is almost impossible. But we're going to give it a shot. But I will be back again. I just thought it would be fun to go through my Who Stole the Album picks. We'll do some more of these. We'll go into some more, just the normal Queen Deep Dives, of course. We're still getting started with A Night at the Opera. I'll be back with some more topics, too. In the meantime, keep yourselves alive. And I hope you are having a fantastic day, evening, dead of night, whenever it is that you're listening to this madness of mine. Thank you for tuning in. And, yeah. <laughs> If I don't end my podcast with my sign-off, I, I don't know what to say. So I'll just simply say bye. <laughs>